Celsius and the relative humidity is 72%. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lamb and my co-presenter today is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. On today's programme, we look at a landmark ruling in favour of same-sex civil unions. Hong Kong's top court ruled on Tuesday that the government has a constitutional duty to allow gay couples to register their partnerships, although it stopped short of granting full marriage rights. The case was brought by activist Jimmy Sham, who married his male partner in New York in 2013. The Court of Final Appeal rejected Sham's argument that gay couples have a right to marriage under Article 25 of the Basic Law and Article 22 of the Hong Kong Bill of Rights, ruling that such unions are only for heterosexuals. But the CFA agreed that his assertions that the government's failure to provide an alternative means of legal recognition for same-sex partnerships is a violation of privacy under Article 14 of the Bill of Rights. The government will be given two years to comply with the ruling once the court issues a final order on the matter. What do you make of this ruling? Does it go too far or not far enough? How can the government best comply with the court's instructions? And after 9.45, we'll take a look at Hong Kong film legend Tony Leung, who has just become the first Chinese actor to win the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Venice Film Festival. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message here on our Facebook page, email us at back chat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. And joining us this morning, we have Dr. Kellyanne Loper. Uh, she's an Associate Professor and Director of the Human Rights Programme at the Faculty of Law at Hong Kong University. Good morning, Dr. Loper. Good morning. Morning. And also on the line is Josiah Chok. He's a retired barrister and former Chief Equal Opportunities Officer of the Equal Opportunities Commission. Good morning, Mr. Chok. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, everybody. And we have a busy morning today. And we also on the line, Jerome Yao. He's a co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. Good morning. Good morning. So I think we'll start with uh, Dr. Loper. Um, So the government now has two years to come up with a legal framework. What should they be doing? Well, I think they should be getting as close as possible to a scheme that reflects, um, if not all, then most of the rights of same-sex marriage, or I'm sorry, of um, different sex marriage that we have today in Hong Kong. Um, it's, I mean, it's too early to tell exactly what they're going to do, but it will need to be compliant with the constitutional right to privacy as well as the constitutional right to equality. And I would expect that if the scheme that is ultimately introduced is not uh, in conformity with these constitutional rights, then there will be future litigation and future challenges. Um, And I mean, the court does suggest this in its judgment yesterday that there is the sort of possibility uh, for future consideration of whether certain rights should be or should not be included um, in the ultimate scheme. But um, I, yeah, sorry. And Dr. Loeb, I just want to go back to uh, the ruling. Uh, can you clarify first uh, what it actually means? I mean, um, the CFA ruled in favor of civil unions, but, but uh, not same-sex marriage. Um, what are the main differences between the two? Well, I mean, same-sex marriage is <laughs> is marriage, and there is a right to marry in the basic law, in the Bill of Rights, and our constitutional framework in Hong Kong. And the court, I mean, it's disappointing that the court didn't recognize that the right to marry includes a right to marry for same-sex couples. 
Um, civil unions, however, are not necessarily marriage, right? And there are different forms of civil unions or civil partnerships that in some cases will mirror or you know, be exactly the same as marriage uh, for different sex couples, um, but, but not necessarily. And the court sort of left this open for the government to determine which rights may be included, uh, which rights might not be included. Um, but again, this is all subject to being constitutional according to the constitutional framework. Okay, um, Jerome Yao, uh, so we're looking at drawing up a legal framework to protect the rights of same-sex couples. Um, wh what kind of rights are we talking about specifically? I think, uh, you know, quite simple. I mean, we're talking about things like inheritance, uh, obviously a formal ceremony to recognize uh, the uh, relationship. Uh, we're talking about um, hospital visitation rights. Um, there are things maybe like um, uh, mutual support, you know, and obviously if the relationship uh, does not go very well, there would be a formal mechanism to dissolve the relationship. I think in a nutshell, what we're talking here is, um, you know, when it comes to why same-sex couples want to get married, I mean, the reasons are pretty much the same as heterosexual couples, really no no big difference, I would say pretty much the same. So one could think of what those rights are, we could just think of what marriage means to mo to most people. Okay, uh, Josiah Chok, what do you make of yeah. the ruling? Uh, I think uh, it, it, it will, forgive me saying that it will open a Pandora box. Because the first thing is the applicability of the uh, law in the future. As the other guest speakers have mentioned, uh, what is the scope of core rights and supplementary rights? The court uh, is not so certain. Uh, as the gentleman has mentioned, only several rights. And interestingly, in this case, the applicants, uh, they... In most that they, they do, they are not going to fight for uh, benefits or other rights. Only a list of limited uh, uh, rights. But I, 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 I am doubtful of such a session because in the future there are a lot of uh, issues. How about housing? How about not not merely just inheritance? or hospital visit, or mutual recognition. This is too simple to, to uh, overwhelm the, the whole picture. What do you think, Dr. Loper? Is it too simple? He's talking about, Josiah, um, Josiah Chok is talking about possibly um, opening up a Pandora box to things like housing. Another issue will be adoption. Um, what do you think? Is this going to expand further and further? Well, I think, I mean, the court has already been dealing with many of these issues on a sort of a case-by-case, -case, piecemeal basis, where the Court of Final Appeal and the lower courts have recognized that same-sex couples do have um, certain rights. So, for example, they have recognized certain rights to inheritance and to, and to housing, to civil service benefits, to tax um, uh, liability. Um, all of these sort of rights and obligations of marriage are already have been considered uh, by the courts. So I think it's just a question of time um, before eventually we may actually see um, same-sex marriage introduced in Hong Kong. And I do think that the, the court, it's interesting in the judgment, they do leave the door open uh, uh, for a future challenge um, because 
actually the applicant in this case did not really raise the issue of how to interpret the right to marry in the basic law. And the court said right now the interpretation is clear that it only applies to different sex heterosexual couples. However, um, it may be that someone will raise these issues related directly to the right to marriage in the future. And this could happen at any time. I mean, I don't think, you know, the future applicants don't need to wait for two years to make the arguments that now we should be reading the Constitution more expansively and more progressively to actually include a right to marriage. So I think it's just a matter of time before we see sort of the full range of rights that would be enjoyed by same-sex couples. Right. And uh, Mr. Chok, I mean, yeah. you, you described the court's ruling as uh, opening up a Pandora's box, but still the government has to uh, comply with the ruling and it's been given two years to come up with a framework that would recognize same-sex relationships. Um, yeah. What do you think it should look like? Uh, it's really a, a very difficult task for the government because according to my, uh, I have dedicated to uh, legal research on the rights of LGBT and, and the other people's rights. But the point is that it can't go without uh, a, a law. So uh, I would expect uh, somewhat like a civil union uh, uh, law, uh, it, uh, which will be implemented in Hong Kong. But as I have emphasized, the, under the law or under the future law, it must describe uh, what's got it could control or manage. So that's why uh, I, I don't know how the government could uh, handle such tasks without incurring future uh, litigations. For example, they are arguing what are color rights, what are supplementary rights. So it's a kind of Pandora box, I mean. Also, they have never th uh, thought about another uh, uh, option is that <clears throat> this time is same-sex civil uh, uh, union. How about uh, the possibility of de facto marriage? Okay. Make it simple, it's cohabitation. Uh, these group of people are of much larger size and they are deprived of the their necessary recognition except that they, they they could lodge the same complaint or application to the court uh, on the principle of uh, privacy uh, why can't you respect my choice not to choose a, a marriage certificate in order to live, live together and and there are plenty of de facto marriage laws now uh, have been implemented in other jurisdictions. Can, can uh, you elaborate a little bit? What do you what do you what do you mean by a de facto marriage? De facto marriage uh, it means that two persons living together as husband and wife, okay, and they will mutually support together. And the only difference with a legal marriage is they incline not to commit in a marriage certificate of their relationship. Okay. I don't know whether you are yet. Yeah, yeah. That uh, uh, normal uh, usual, usual sense is cohabitation. Yes. 
Right. Uh, we have a listener who, who's just uh, written in, listener Lai. Uh, he or she he doesn't specify. It uh, says, same-sex relationship is highly controversial. Our government should not grant special rights to same-sex couples, whether they are single or married. They should not have the right to adopt children because this is harmful to children. Um, your reaction, Jerome Yao? Uh, first of all, uh we are not talking about special rights here. We are talking about equal rights. And I think we have to make this very, very clear. Um, if I just look quickly, I just want to say a few things. There is no Pandora box. What we are talking here is right now we have 34 places around the world that recognize same-sex marriages. Obviously, the sky hasn't fallen in those places. Life goes on. I mean, what's the big deal? Fundamentally, I think what this judgment is all about is the court is making very clear same-sex relationships deserve respect, they deserve legal protection, and same-sex couples should be able to live a life with dignity. I think that's a very, very clear message, and I think we have to recognize that. In terms of models, I think we actually have the advantage of looking into what other countries have done. You know, obviously the UK, in the previously day, before they have uh, same-sex marriage, they implemented civil partnerships. In other places, there are civil unions, so there are all these different sort of frameworks we can look into and see how maybe they can be make it applicable to the situation in Hong Kong. I think what's important is the court has given the government two years, and I think we should make the best use of this two-year period and come up with something that is that works for Hong Kong and that gives uh, maximum protections to same-sex couples. I think that's the point we should focus on. Right. And Dr. Loper, I mean, earlier, uh, Mr. Choki was talking about uh, difficulties in coming up uh, with this uh, framework uh, because uh, it's difficult to decide on uh, how wide the scope should be. Um, are there any suitable examples from other jurisdictions that, that we can uh, look at and we can follow? Yeah, I mean, as Jerome has mentioned, there are lots of examples, um, and there is this momentum, this global momentum, as well as regional momentum toward greater recognition of same-sex partnerships. Um, and I think, I mean, the court does actually identify some of the examples that the government might look to. Uh, and I also agree with Jerome that, you know, the next two years um, will be, you know, should this judgment should generate a lot of discussions about what this type of model could look like. Um, the court mentioned Austria as a, as a model. The UK um, also had a model of civil partnerships. Um, so I think that you know there's a lot out there. And Hong Kong is quite used to looking at comparative models um, in a lot of different areas uh, for guidance and for inspiration. So I think that that's really important. I mean, I think it's important to recognize also that the recognition of same-sex partnerships is actually very important for Hong Kong, that it's about social cohesion, right? So again, Jerome mentioned um, that this is important for the dignity of lesbian, gay, and bisexual people in Hong Kong. It's also important for their inclusion in society, um, for their feeling of belonging in society, to avoid the kind of stigma associated um, with being gay or lesbian. So I think this is, this is a really important step in that direction toward greater social cohesion. Um, there are also bits business case for attracting talent, um, which has you know, been discussed in relation to other cases. Um, and also, I just want to point out that uh, I have conducted a survey with other colleagues um, on um, public opinion on same-sex marriage and same-sex couples' rights in Hong Kong. And the latest wave of the survey in January of 2023, this year, uh, does show significant 
public support, majority support um, for same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. 60%, which is up from 50% in 2017 and 38% in 2013, 10 years ago. Um, and also among the younger generation, 82% uh, of those aged 18 to 34 support same-sex marriage. So I think that it's not quite as controversial an issue uh, in Hong Kong as might be suggested um, by Mr. Chok. Your reaction, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Chok? I, I, I think I, I respect your poll. But once again, I, I will quote another poll, uh, which was used by the government in the MK case. There data or their outcomes are different, okay? So poll cannot be uh, wholly trustworthy, okay? And the other thing is that uh, talking about the civil union acts or, or law or legislation in other countries, one important thing, as I have already mentioned, they have to define the scope of applicability without saying uh, too much. It must embrace rights and benefits, not as narrow as what they have advocated in this case, and also the gentleman has said. It must touch upon benefits and rights. So it will create further litigation if some of them uh, feel not satisfied with the uh, uh, scope of the real law. And the other thing is, when you quote UK case, why I say Pandora Box, they have implemented the Civil Union uh, Act, but not later, there was another case challenged the Civil Union uh, Act by a heterosexual uh, uh, couple. They want to have civil union uh, uh, rights for them too, and the government lost again. So when they draft the Civil Union uh, Act in Hong Kong, the government has to be very, very cautious okay. of avoiding uh, further troubles. Right. So we have another listener, Mike, who's just written in, and he's saying, if America is a window to our sexual revolution future, next will be schools teaching our children that they can be any gender they want to be. If our handlers can get us fighting among ourselves on any issue, we might not notice the direction we are headed is against the, in quote marks, family. Um, Jerome Chuk, are we, are we uh, heading in that direction? No, first of all, I think we need to come back to the focus. We are talking about the legal recognition of same-sex partnerships. We're not talking about gender issue. There is another day and time for that one. But let's just focus on the issue at hand. We are talking about the legal recognition of same-sex partnerships. And one more point I want to make is when, when I'm early on, I mentioned about the fact that 34 country, uh, places around the world recognizing same-sex relationships. If you look at what those countries are, it's quite interesting. For example, last year, Cuba did it. Back in June earlier this year, the, the, Nippon, the Nipponese Supreme Court actually said the government there has to recognize same-sex marriage. And obviously in, in Asia, Taiwan is the first place that, uh, rec that recognizes same-sex marriages. And obviously there's another case, uh, there's a, uh, a very important case uh, before the uh, Indian Supreme Court, which uh, the bench is currently deliberating. So what I'm talking here is we're talking about, you know, uh, diverse uh, places, diverse uh, country uh, backgrounds. So um, really, I mean, the most important thing, as I uh, mentioned earlier on, is 
make the best use of the next two years and come up with something that is workable for Hong Kong, that is good for uh, everybody. And one more point I would like to make is fundamentally, it doesn't really hurt anyone. I mean, it's good for society, as lots of research uh, has uh, demonstrated. Okay, um, uh, Dr. Loper, it's just a fact that Hong Kong is part of China. And as you know, in, in the past, when we've had controversial laws, sometimes it's, you know, resort to, uh, you know, interpreting the basic law, and it goes up to Beijing, and et cetera, et cetera. Do, it, do you see it going in that direction? I don't think so. I mean, I think this is very clearly uh, an issue that falls uh, squarely within Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy. I don't think that this would is particularly um, politically sensitive in the same way that the cases that have been interpreted by the um, National People's Congress Standing Committee have been. So I, I would be very surprised if if that happened, if that were the case. Um, I mean, hopefully the government will be embracing this opportunity to introduce rights for same-sex couples that help them become, you know, uh, equal uh, citizens and residents in, in Hong Kong. Um, and again, the aim or the, you know, outcome would be to live lives in dignity and to um, achieve social cohesion um, and harmony in Hong Kong society. I mean, I think the point about further litigation and the fear of further litigation, I think it is possible that there will be further litigation. Um, you know, regardless of the outcome of this this decision, I think there there would be further litigation. But hopefully, in the next two years, the government and the legislative council will get this right, uh, and there won't be need for further further challenges. So I think you know this again. This is not about introducing special rights, as as Jerome has so eloquently explained. That this is about equal rights for um, gay, lesbian, and bisexual people in the Hong Kong community. Yeah, I mean, further litigation is not always a negative thing. It, it can potentially bring more clarity as well. Um, and and uh, Josiah Chok does point yeah. out that he, he he's saying, uh, we're still with Dr. Loper, he, he, he's ex saying, well, well, where does it stop? There's housing. Um, one of our listeners has written and he's, he's concerned about adoption. What do you think, Dr. Loper? Well, I don't really see the problem <laughs> um, with expanding the scope of rights. Um, I think, again, this is about equal rights, not special rights. I mean, LG LGBT people in Hong Kong are part of the society, part of the community. Um, why not um, allow same-sex couples to um, have equal housing rights with, with different sex couples? I mean, I don't really understand what the problem would be. Um, I don't understand. You know, the image of a Pandora's box is quite negative, but actually I think this is, this would be a positive development for Hong Kong. Just I took is about equality. Yeah. It's not about yeah. special treatment. That's what um, Dr. Loper and Jerome Yao are saying. And Why shouldn't they be? Equality uh, clause is quite loose. Uh, talking about this case, as uh, uh, Ms. Loper said that, uh, or predicted that, there will be change to the uh, right to marry. I, I also cast out on that because in this case, uh, it subsequently uh, pointed out that under the basic law and under the view of rights, the uh, right to marry uh, in Hong Kong uh, uh, abound by these laws, and they are only talking about heterogeneous uh, 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 marriage. Uh, there's another thing that uh, all the constitutional instruments are living 
but I doubt very much. And I have to tell, I don't know whether the guest uh, speakers, the guests uh, know, know, know that. There are news being publicized by uh, the LGBT groups saying that uh, all the LGBT organizations have been closed by the uh, mainland China uh, 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 government. Uh, of course, one country, two systems, but the core values are taught by the mainland China. Okay. okay. In this respect, it's totally different. And then I have tell okay. them to, 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 to know the right. uh, current trend. Right. Okay. Hold that thought there because we're coming up to 9.30. Um, and first, let's take a look at the weather. It is sunny. Um, there are sunny intervals with a few showers. There will be isolated thunderstorms later today. The maximum temperature will be around 31 degrees. There's moderate west to southwesterly winds. The outlook is for occasional showers tomorrow. Sunny intervals and a few showers towards the weekend. The current temperature, 29 degrees. And the humidity, 71%. Here's the news with Maya Cohen. The Clean Air Network says the government should make good use of cleaner energy to promote Hong Kong as an international shipping centre. The network's CEO, Patrick Fong, says marine vessels are one of the largest air polluter, local air polluters and new government targets aren't strict enough. The British government says it will use terrorism legislation to ban the Russian Wagner Group. The law will make it illegal to be a member of or support the mercenary organisation in the United Kingdom. And the former leader of the Proud Boys far-right group in the United States, Enrico Tario, has been sentenced to 22 years in jail. And finally, the police have arrested a 28-year-old man on suspicion of sexual assault and voyeurism after complaints relating to orientation camps for university education students. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. When an amber rainstorm signal is in force, follow the news on weather and road conditions. When a red or black rainstorm signal is in force and the Education Bureau has announced class suspension, schools should adopt emergency measures. They should keep premises open, look after students who have arrived, and keep students at school until it is safe to leave. Parents need not hurry to pick up children. Students already on their way to school should pay attention to rainfall, as well as traffic, slope and road conditions, and should stay somewhere safe if necessary. The Occupational Safety and Occupational Health Legislation Miscellaneous Amendments Ordinance 2023 is in effect. The maximum penalty has been raised to a $10 million fine and two years imprisonment for serious contraventions. Employers, employees and other duty holders should work together to prevent accidents. Complying with Occupational Safety and Health Legislation is a shared obligation for employers and employees. Okay, so welcome back to Backchat. Uh, this morning we're talking about yesterday's quarterfinal appeal ruling in favour of same-sex civil unions. Still with us is Dr. Kellyanne Loper with the Faculty of Law at Hong Kong University. Josiah Chok, uh, former Chief Equal Opportunities Officer um, at the Equal Opportunities Commission and also Jerome Yao, who's actually in our Queensway studio um, and he's a co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. And just before the break, um, Josiah Chok, you were, you were talking about, uh, you know, the, the one country, two systems and, and, and how, you know, Hong Kong can have a different interpretation of, of same-sex civil unions. Can you continue, elaborate on what you were saying? Yes, uh, in this case, 
we, we need to understand the decision is a majority three against two. So uh, the impact of same-sex marriage, well, I will expand more, uh, not only same-sex marriage or think, uh, civil union, it's LGBT rights. And this issue is highly controversial, I must say. Don't just focus on same-sex uh, uh, civil union. So when we tackle this, not sure, but it's a possibility because the concerns about the inter- interpretation of privacy rights under the Bill of Rights uh, Clause 14. And some people may, may, may already uh, say that. How about interpretation of the law by the National Congress? It's a possibility if the impact uh, after assessment is so big that uh, Hong Kong could not face or China could not face. Okay, so so you talk about um, Article 14, and so specifically yeah. what it says, and if this was quoted in, in the uh, law court yesterday as well, that no yeah. one shall be subjected to arbitrary or unlawful interference with his privacy, his family, home, or correspondence. So, yeah. so this is about privacy. Um, yeah. Why should same-sex couples uh, have their privacy um, in, infringed on any more than anybody else. But the point is that uh, is there any privacy infringement? Uh, 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 we have to uh, read both uh, the, the judgment from the dissident, what I call the dissident, because the minority lost uh, 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 by two, okay, against three. And Interference and non-interference, there are interpretation problems. For example, if you count the justices number, the first instance, the court of appeal, and then now the final court of appeal, two against three. But the point is that there are altogether six judges who rule against the, the, the issue. But unluckily, those three sitting in the, in, the, in, the, in the CFA, they won't fall. So it, it, it goes... Isn't that again. the whole point of having a number of judges? The, the point is that if this issue comes back with a different panel, I'm not sure, the same result will come up, just like the, even for the U.S. Uh, abortion rights. After 50 years, it comes to another panel. They rule against uh, the abortion rights. So for this one, I'm not sure. But the possibility and the option of the interpretation of the uh, uh, BOR, uh, uh, number 14, clause 14 or article 14, uh, can, can, can be done by referral to the National uh, Congress or the, or the take the initiative to uh, intervene. I'm not sure, but it's a possibility, am I right? Dr. Loper? Dr. Loper? Well, as I I said before, I I think that this is extremely unlikely. Um, And also there's no um, particular right in the basic law that the court referred to related to privacy. So they relied very much on the the Bill of Rights. I mean, may be possible through Article 39 of the Basic Law to seek an interpretation because that incorporates the ICCPR. But 
I, 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 yeah, I just don't really see um, that this would be that this is a, a likely possibility. Um, Jerome Yao, so so now uh, we're talking about coming up with a legal framework um, that will perhaps protect the rights of same-sex couples. What what kind of rights are they most in need of uh, being protected? Um, I would not let me put it this way. Um, there are all these rights that are important to same-sex couples, but I think it's uh, not a very good idea to sort of articulate a list of rights because I think that uh, it, 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 I mean, fundamentally, there isn't sort of a, a definitive list, so to speak, but I would encourage people to think broadly about, you know, why we are doing this. As I, you know, mentioned earlier on, you know, it's about protection, it's about recognition, and, you know, there are all these different um frameworks around the world that we could look at. And I think, you know, it would give full effect to the judgment, in my view, it's to have a, a framework that would give the maximum uh, protections to same-sex couples. And, you know, uh, obviously, given the uh, close connection between Hong Kong common law and the English common law, the civil partnership scheme in the UK is definitely something we can st study and see whether that is applicable to the situation here in Hong Kong. Um, Josiah Chok, um, yeah. as, as uh, Dr. Loper pointed out in, in her survey, and, and also the, just the increasing number of uh, places in the world that recognize same-sex marriage, this is simply a world trend. Why shouldn't Hong Kong be in that trend? If, if, we, if we are, you know, as the government says, we want to attract international talent, you know, uh, why shouldn't Hong Kong go in the same direction? Uh, I, I think uh, the people always talk about 34 countries, but under United Nations, they are all together 150 countries. How about the other majority? I'm not saying that the figure of countries recognizing same-sex marriage is increasing. But we have to go back to Hong Kong's situation. Okay, the sovereignty is under China, and the basic law and the Bill of Rights also stipulate similar provisions of upholding uh, heterogeneous uh, marriage. So Hong Kong is another specific environment that we need to respect for such a highly controversial uh, issue. It should not be done by the court. Uh, it should be done by the legislature and the government. Sorry, why shouldn't it be done by the court? There is a separation of power. Uh, the, the concept of margin of appreciation, that is wide discretion. But this is a court case. It's handled by the court. We have rule of law. Yeah. No, no. Court cannot decide everything. There's a doctrine also uh, as Ms. Lotham will understand, uh, it's a conflict between judicial restraint and judicial activism. Okay, okay. Dr. Loper? Okay. Yeah, no, I think in this case, I mean, the court has granted the government a, a margin of appreciation. They've given the government two years, right, to come up with the specific details. So they've set the, the basic constitutional framework in, in terms of the right to privacy in particular. But I think but now it's up to the government, right? And I think it's actually very exciting 
that over the next two years, we will hopefully have a lot of opportunities for public engagement on these issues to discuss these questions in greater depth, um, to hear from various communities and individuals who are affected, to hear from same-sex couples who are affected by the lack of legal recognition, um, and also to hear from, from those who are opposed, right? And, and I think this kind of dynamic uh, engagement with these issues is very important for Hong Kong and for the development of democracy in Hong Kong. Um, and this is an opportunity, right, for, for us to come up with a workable framework. I mean, I would just, I would just add very briefly that, I mean, there are perhaps more culturally conservative societies in Asia, more cu culturally conservative than Hong Kong, um, that have actually started to take steps toward greater legal recognition. So including South Korea, and Japan. So the momentum, even though um, we don't yet have a majority of countries in the world recognizing same-sex marriage, there are a number of, of more culturally conservative countries that are moving in this direction. So the momentum and the trends, the patterns are very clear. Okay. Um, Jerome Yao, what do you think? Um, just quickly, I think right now, let me make this clear. What the court has declared is that the government has to provide a scheme to recognize same-sex partnerships, the court does not say the government has to, uh, the court basically says that there isn't a constitutional right to same-sex marriage. And the Chief Justice made it quite clear in, in, in the judgment, and I quote, it does not follow that there cannot be same-sex marriage in Hong Kong. It is a matter for the government and the legislature. So quickly, just uh, you know, a, a, a point perhaps Mr. Chok would like to take note of. Uh, let me just echo what uh, Dr. Lopper has said. I think, you know, the next two years, is, this is the, the, the key time that as, a, as we, as a society, we should have a robust and dynamic uh, engagement and discussion as to what kind of a framework we should have to uh, recognize same-sex partnerships. I think, you know, we could do a lot of good if we make a good use of this two-year two period. And let's just focus on that one. I, I mean, basically, you know, the court has uh, made a judgment and let's just focus on that one. And I think that that would, I would say that's the best way forward. Right. And uh, um, Mr. Yao, I just want to go back to an earlier point you made uh, when, when you talked about uh, core rights that should be covered by the uh, framework. And you said uh, there's no definitive list, but uh, um, there must be some some uh, core rights that are essential in, in your in your mind. Can, can you share your view on that? I mean, you did mention about like housing and hospital visitation rights. What's on your mind? Inheritance is one, uh, a formal ceremony to recognize the partnerships, um, obviously uh, a, a process, a formal process to dissolve the relationship if, if that's the case. And I mean, those are things that you know people frequently uh, think of when it comes to uh, get, getting married. And obviously, you know, beyond what sort of other taxation uh, uh, implications, obviously, uh, by, by virtue of Leung Chung Kong, uh, the, uh, the decision, obviously, now that some couples can file joint uh, income tax uh, returns, but would there be some other uh, taxation implications, for example? And quite earlier on, actually, the EOC released a report about a list of things uh, uh, of, of, say, the legal rights and obligations uh, under uh, marriage. And I think, you know, that that report could be a good uh, starting uh, sort of reference point. Okay, Josiah Chuk, would you want to wrap up? Now is the time to start the dialogue on this uh, legal framework. The government has two years. What would you say to the government? I'll, I'll advise the government to think carefully because... Uh, 
core rights and other supplemental supplementary rights are also can be debatable. Uh, the gentleman has only mentioned a few, and even this few uh, was echoed in the court. I don't think it's the exhaustive list. At the end of the day, uh, just like the Civil uh, Union Act in other countries, all rights and benefits will be given. It's not the, 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 the ruling of the court in this case. Okay? So, okay. Uh, yeah, carry on. Uh, uh, so uh, I don't know how the government can work on a diplomatic uh, uh, solution to that. All right. Dr. Loper, what should be the priority now? That at the beginning of these two years, what should we be talking about first? Well, I mean, I think as I, mean, I would concur with um, Jerome that a lot of these core rights are very important. There may be other core rights so I think we should start talking about maybe by compiling um, some of the examples from other jurisdictions to have to organize public forums to to start really getting the conversation started on what rights should be included in this um, eventual scheme. Um, Jerome Yao, same-sex couples in Hong Kong. What? What? Are, I mean, we we talk about inheritance. You talk about hospital visitation. Um, what else are they basically at a, a disadvantage of without this legal framework? I mean, housing is one one thing that you know is being litigated in the court. So I think housing rights, obviously, is something that I believe uh, lots of couples would be very interested in. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody. So uh, that was Dr. Kellyanne Loper um, with the uh, law faculty at Hong Kong University. And Josiah Chok, thank you very much. He was with the Equal Opportunities Commission. And also Jerome Yao, who is a co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage. Um, okay. Of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Happy 95th birthday, RTHK! Thank you for 95 years of public broadcasting service. Keep up the amazing work. I'm Janice Wailan. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned, Stay tuned. With, Hong Kong. with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. Okay, it's now coming up to um, nearly 10 to 10. And we are joined by Dr. Timmy Chen. He's an assistant professor in cultural studies at the School of Arts and Social Sciences at Hong Kong Metropolitan University. And we're talking about Tony Leung, the actor Tony Leung, who has just become the first Chinese actor to get a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Film Festival. Um, Dr. Chen, moment Hi. of celebration. Morning. What, what, what is the significance of this award? Um, I, I, I think um, Tony Leung is the first uh, Chinese actor to receive this uh, yeah, uh, very important uh, award. So I, I, I think uh, uh, his fans uh, around the world uh, are happy and proud of him. What does it mean for Hong Kong cinema? I think uh, definitely, um, uh, as uh, Tony Leung said, at Venice International Film Festival, um, his career uh, was nurtured by the Hong Kong 
movie industry. So I think uh, his uh, uh, the award for his uh, lifetime achievement <clears throat> also embodies the achievement of uh, Hong Kong film industry uh, at large. Yeah. Right. And like you mentioned in his acceptance speech, um, Tony Leung said the prize is uh, shared with uh, wonderful people he has worked with and uh, the, the and Hong Kong cinema. How big uh, of a role did Hong Kong cinema play in his acting career? I think uh, not only Hong Kong cinema, but also Hong Kong television industry, because uh, he uh, started his acting career uh, at the uh, TVB's uh, actor training uh, program. And then uh, encouraged by uh, Stephen Chow, and then uh, uh, he became famous uh, through uh, the 1984 uh, TVB Jin Yong series, The Duke of uh, Mount Deer, um, in which he plays the role, uh, the, the, the protagonist uh, opposite uh, Andy Lau. <clears throat> and then also like uh, uh, I, I think uh, he, he he's uh, one of his early memorable roles. Uh, it's like uh, he, he uh, plays like uh, a person with a mental illness in uh, 1986, the lunatics, and then also plays uh, um, in a, a romantic melodrama, um, Love Unto Waste, directed by uh, Sandy Guan. Yeah, and then uh, uh, not just in uh, Hong Kong uh, cinema, but also in uh, Taiwan cinema. For example, like uh, he won his first uh, Golden Lion. Uh, in uh, 1989, uh, with um, uh, Taiwanese director Ho Xiaoxian's City of Sadness, uh, where he plays a deaf and mute character. Yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, the, the Golden Lion is, of course, uh, the top prize for those who have uh, made a major contribution to cinema. Um, in your view, what, what do you think, uh, or what would you say is uh, Tony Leung's biggest contribution? I think uh, he's. Yeah, I, 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 I think uh, he, he plays uh, so many memorable roles, and then uh, especially uh, his uh, roles in uh, Wang Kawai's films, and then also, of course, uh, Anne Lee's uh, Lost Caution. <clears throat> so I think um, his biggest uh, contribution would be uh, enriching the palette of uh, uh, world cinema. Uh, through an uh, actor's uh, very diverse uh, expression, and also like uh, um, he's famous for um, speaking and acting with his uh, electrifying eyes, and then uh, um, also he exhibits a, a certain kind of vulnerable masculinity, which is uh, quite unusual uh, for an actor. Okay, you know, just before I came in this program, I also saw uh, news that Chow Yun Fat, another act, Hong Kong actor who, who also started in television, he just got the uh, Asian Filmmaker of the Year award at the Busan International Film Festival. Now, um, two actors in a in a week, two Hong Kong actors in a week, getting international recognition. How does this put Hong Kong cinema on the map in the world? Yeah, I think uh, I also pay attention to that. And then, uh, uh, actually, they, they uh, acted uh, together in uh, Zhang Wu's uh, 1992 film, action film, uh, Hard Boiled, uh, um, in, in, in which uh, Tony Leung uh, plays an uh, undercover cop. <laughs> like uh, 10 years before his uh, another memorable role um, in uh, Infernal Affairs. And then, uh, actually, the, the, um, Tony Leung, the same 
uh, festival, a Busan festival, uh, last year. So uh, Tony Dong was the actor in focus last year, and then the joint part uh, is the actor in focus this year. So I think definitely, uh, although like uh, um, people have been debating whether Hong Kong cinema has died or like uh, going through a revival uh, since the 1993, and uh, definitely the 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 uh, cinephiles, movie fans uh, worldwide. Uh, still love uh, Hong Kong cinema. Do you think these awards will help um, encourage maybe the government to give more support to Hong Kong cinema and also maybe more investment in the industry? Yeah, I think uh, definitely uh, Hong Kong uh, cinema needs support uh, from the government, uh, from the audience, and also uh, from the industry itself. I think the... uh, yeah, I, 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 I think uh, definitely uh, we, we need uh, more support and then also a better working environment uh, for the filmmakers in Hong Kong. Right. And when we talk about Tony Leung and Chow Yun-Fat, and mm-hmm. these actors are um, older actors. They're, they're from like the, the golden period of Hong Kong cinema. Um, uh, are there any like younger actors that uh, that you you think uh, will um, have a potential in expanding their their career to internationally? Maybe. Yeah, I I, I think the um, young 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 actors. Uh, yeah, for, uh, for for example, like uh, the the actress uh, uh, Angela Yuan uh, uh, gave two uh, very memorable uh, roles. Uh, in two films last year, uh, Hong Kong Family and then also uh, The Narrow Road. And I think uh, there are also uh, many more uh, talented uh, young actors. But they also need uh, talented uh, directors and then also producers uh, because, after all, um, cinema is a collective work. It's not uh, just depends on uh, one talented actor or actress. Uh, Tony Leung, of course, um, is very talented, but also he he, he uh, needs to be nurtured by the uh, film industry. Needs to be directed by like uh, uh, wonderful directors such as uh, Wang Kawai and uh, Andy. Right. Yeah, yeah so, so it's a collaborative work. You talked about being nurtured by the film industry. How did Tony Leung get into acting in the first place? Yeah, I think um, uh, he and um, Stephen Chow were actually uh, very good friends um, when, when they were young, and then uh, he was encouraged by Stephen Chow to go to uh, TVB's uh, act, acting uh, training program. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, he, he um, like many other uh, actors, uh, entered the uh, television and movie industry through TVB. Yeah. But um, so 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 yeah, that's how he entered the film industry. I actually remember seeing him on a children's program. Tony yes, Lo, yes. Children's program. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and um, Stephen Chow. Um, yeah, I um, uh, yeah, it's it's a pity. I I only uh, read like uh, secondary <laughs> stories about this uh, uh, children's program, so I, I um, haven't watched it myself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious to uh, sort of uh, yeah. 
Uh, check it out later. Right. You know what's significant about uh, both Chow Yun-fat and Tony Leung are the some of the films um, are internationally successful. That's why yeah. they get these international awards. You talk about Stephen Chow. I mean, he's he's a hilarious actor, but he he never reached quite that level. Now, is this to do with how Hong Kong films are being marketed? Yeah, I think. Uh, for example, like uh, Chow Yun-fat is famous for his uh, action films. And then uh, Stephen Chow is famous for his comedy films. But of course, uh, comedy is uh, difficult, like, uh, uh, can be lost in translation. And then uh, uh, Tony Leung, um, on the other hand, is famous for his uh, art house roles. Like uh, in uh, films directed by Hou Xiaoxian, uh, Anne Lee, and um, Wang Kawai. Yeah, so I think this is also why... Um, he got recognized um, at uh, international film festivals such as uh, Venice. Yeah, so you, you talk about art house, you talk about Chow and the gangster movie. Are those yes. a genre that Hong Kong is strong on and therefore maybe work a little bit harder on on the comedy? Yeah, I think... Uh, actually, Hong Kong cinema is uh, uh, good at the action and the comedy genres. Or like a martial arts genre, <clears throat> and then uh, actually, uh, uh, art house is not uh, Hong Kong cinema's uh, specialty because after all, the Hong Kong uh, society and the Hong Kong movie industry is uh, extremely commercial. Right, I mean, and, and the mood of uh, for love, which is which is uh, Tony Long's famous movie, that's pretty art housey. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, I think I think it, it uh, sort of uh, blurs the boundary between art house and uh, commercial film. Because uh, Wang Kao intended to be like uh, uh, both art house and uh, commercial. Uh, w- w- we should not forget that uh, an early, uh, earlier um, memorable role is uh, his uh, uh, appearance at the finale of uh, the 1990, uh, 1990 Days of Being Wild, uh, which make, uh, made the producer bankrupt. So I think the the uh, yeah it's it's um like 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 you said I I I, I think it's both uh, art house and commercial. But you know, when you when you talk about days of being wild, um, you know there there was um obviously Leslie Chung, the the late Leslie Chung, and 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 yes. also Maggie Chung. I mean these you know what about female actors? Are there any that? Uh, yeah, comes to and mind? then also uh, his wife Karina Lau uh, also appears. In uh, Days of Being Wild, and then also Andy Lau. So I think that the Days of Being Wild, uh, it's, yeah, it's also almost like a, impossible to re- reunite like a, such a strong and a charismatic cast again, like the and also like a Jackie Chan. So uh, in uh, Days of Being Wild, so so, so I think, <clears throat> um, okay. yeah. All right. Well, no. thank you very much. Thank, thank doc- you so much. Yeah, yeah thank I, you very much. That was uh, uh, Dr. Timmy Chan from the Hong Kong Metropolitan University's Cultural Studies Program at the School of Arts and Social Sciences. And thank you very much for our other guests also. Um,